0: Today we kick off a new series called Breaking Free. I've been looking forward to this for, for several weeks. But I want to say a few things before we get started. First off, what I'm I, you know, I'm going to share some personal insight. I'm going to share some um, you know personal experience. Uh, I'm going to share some stuff from our uh, the the small groups that we have called Freedom Groups. I'm going to share some stuff from that Freedom Curriculum that that I love the way it's laid out. I'll be honest with you. I've never done really freedom or healing and deliverance in a corporate setting. I've always done it one-on-one, so this is a new experience for me, but I I am looking forward to it, walking through this. I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do, and I know that, again, great things are going to happen. A little bit of a disclaimer I feel like I need to give before we start. Josh is going to help me with this series. We're going to sort of alternate as we walk through it. Uh, We're going to share some things over the, the next few weeks that are great spiritual truths. We're going to share some things with you that are spiritual principles that will absolutely work every time. But understand we are only skimming the surface. There is no way for us to do in a corporate setting what God can and will do in your personal life. So we're going to sort of set the stage and we're going to give you some principles. But I would strongly encourage you to get into our freedom groups if you haven't done that. Uh, We do those, well the two longest semesters of the year. There will be a new one starting in January. We do a women's group and a men's group. There's people here who have been through that who would testify to its effectiveness. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. Another thing that we don't really publicize, but we also, Chess and I, um, something that God used in our lives in a, in a powerful way is called RTF. It's restoring the foundations, and it's like a healing and deliverance kind of ministry, issue focused. And we both have been trained in that and do that. So that's another avenue. And if you're interested in doing something like that, just come see me, and we'll be glad to walk you through that. Uh, you know, it's 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 a, it's a blessing. And again, God God has used it many times in in my life to honestly to rock my world and i am honestly where i am because of that because i was all wrapped up in a bunch of junk and didn't even know it and the enemy just uh kept tripping me up and kept beating me down and that's what the lord used to set me free so again i would encourage you to pursue something like that whatever the lord would have you do my but again my my disclaimer my encouragement is don't let it stop with this we're going to share some great things. We're going to talk about how to get free and the path to freedom and what that process looks like. But don't let it stop here on Sunday morning, okay? That, that's my that's my request. And whatever you choose, I want you to know that God wants you to be free. God doesn't desire that you're in bondage to anything. God wants you to be free. More importantly, this church wants you to be free. Yeah. And we will do anything we can to help you get there. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's pray again. So Father, I just thank you for this day. Again, we thank you for all that you are, God. I pray that everyone in this room, God, over the next seven or eight weeks and throughout this series, they would just decide to go all in, God. They would just experience everything that you have for them. God, I pray that any correct incorrect views of you and who you are would be dealt with. God, that they would see you as the true loving Father that you are. God, and I pray that just through your Holy Spirit... God, that you would reveal any areas of our life today where we're operating out of shame or where we're operating out of victimization and walking in areas that we shouldn't be. God, again, just do what only you can. Reveal what only you can. God, you search our minds and hearts and you know who we are. God, you formed us in the mothers of our womb and you know us intimately. So God, I pray that through the next 30 minutes or so, God, however long this message takes, that you would just reveal those things. God, that your Holy Spirit would work and you would show us those areas of our lives where we are in bondage and where we need to be free. and Where we're operating in things we don't need to operate in. And we ask these things and in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So I've got three things I want you to see. Uh, the first thing I want you to see is the choice. Uh, I'm in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and then verses 16 and 17. Uh, let me just read a passage and we'll get into it. It says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. That would be Adam. And out of the ground the Lord God made a spring, made to spring up, excuse me, every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then you jump down to verse 16. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall walk surely die. As I said a while ago, the Christian journey is all about learning and growing. And I've read a lot of stuff in the in past few weeks, past few years, honestly, that brought an entirely new perspective to this whole Garden of Eden concept and Garden of Eden story that we have in the book of Genesis and what happened there. And honestly, one of those things is our Freedom Group material. There's some stuff in there that you'll read, I promise you, you won't see it anywhere else. And it brings out things from the garden and from that garden experience that, again, you won't see anywhere else. But th- there's some new insights. So basically, the, if you read that Freedom Book material, the Freedom Group material, the workbook, it talks about how basically these two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, represent two um, lenses or two filters or two per- perspectives, if you will, to look at things. And how a lot of us, for most of our life, even though we may be a Christian and claim to be walking by the tree of life, we are really looking at things from the other perspective, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, again, these two trees, so let's think of these two trees for the next few minutes. Think of them in that regard. They are two perspectives. They are two lenses. They are two filters through which I can look at everything. They represent the spiritual and the natural. They represent the flesh and the spirit, or life and death, however you want to label them. But they're a contrasting view. One view is the view that God would have us have. The other one is the view that the enemy would have us to have. Amen? So so next, I want you to understand that those two trees, representing those two filters, or two perspectives. And I want you to understand that every minute of your life, you are making decisions from one of those two perspectives. Every situation in your life, everything you come up against, every conversation you have, everything that you do in your life is governed by one of those two perspectives. You're looking at everything through one of those two lenses. So let me explain those lenses. The first one we'll call the tree of life. The tree of life lens. The tree of life filter. You see, that one is the one that we should have because that's the one that is, is all about God and the way we should be living. right? And the tree of life says you have to receive the fact of God's love. You have to delight in Him. You have to pursue Him and you have to enjoy the journey. That's all there is to it. Right? Amen? Amen. If we are truly a Christian, if we're walking as God would have us to and we are doing all that we should be and and where we should in our relationship, it's really that simple. Receiving God's love for me, knowing that nothing in my life can ever change His love for me. I can, uh, you know, I have the idea of delighting in Him and we'll get to that more in a minute. And pursuing Him And just enjoying the journey. Maybe you meet some Christians and they're the saddest looking people you've ever seen. They shouldn't be. We should be the happiest people that you ever see. Amen? I mean, if you think about it, if you truly know the Lord and you're truly walking with Him, all of heaven is yours. Right? I mean, you have unlimited resources in every realm of your life. And we're moping around like somebody killed our best friend. We should be the happiest people on the planet. So that's the tree of life. That's that's where we ought to be living. The, the other side is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that lens. And honestly, we could call this the lens of death. If one's the tree of life, this could really be called the tree of death. Why you say that, preacher? Because listen, when I step out of who I am in Christ, when I step out of all that I possess as a child of the King, and I step over to this side, guess what? I'm dead already. Because I have detached myself from the very thing that sustains my life. And if I am not in Him, then I'm out of Him. There is no middle ground. There's no gray area. Right. I'm either walking with Him and I'm in the tree of life and, and where I should be or I'm over here in the tree of death. And it's the tree of death because why? Because I've chosen knowledge over relationship. And I've chosen to walk in things that declare my independence from God. When I'm over here, what I'm really saying is, God, I don't need you. I got this all figured out. Well, I can tell you I've lived there a long time. <laughs> You're not going to get there that way. That path goes to a very bad place. And you don't want to be on it. But let me tell you, there's a lot of Christians who are on it. Here's the here's the mentality of this tree of death path. Let's call it that. The mentality is this. It says you must do more to get to God. You see, the tree of life says I am who I am regardless of what I do. The tree of death, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says it's all about what you do. You have to do more to earn your way to God. It says you must earn God's approval. Instead of resting in who I am in Christ, instead of resting over here in the righteousness that I possess as a child of the king, this tree of death path says, hey, you've got to earn that. You've got to earn God's approval. And lastly, it says that you've got to keep His duties. It's all about duties. Mm -hmm. It's all about do, do, do. Every minute of your life, you are making decisions based on one of these two trees. One of these two paths, one of these two lenses, you're filtering everything that you see through one of them. My question is, which one are you looking through? Which one are you looking through? Let me give you some examples. Let's think about God Himself, the, 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 the tree of the lens of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's just call it the tree of death. Everybody with me on that? That's a shorter. That's a lot less words to speak. The tree of death over here. What's it say? It says you've got to do more to get to God. It's all about what you do. Do, 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 do. Right? The tree of life says what? You've got to receive what Jesus has already done. It ain't about nothing that I do. It's what he's already done. Look at this. John chapter 5, verses 30, 39 and 40. Throw us up, Isaac. No back. back. No, it's John five thirty nine and 40 John five, thirty nine and 40 is it not in the slides? ok let me just read it to you, listen again, the tree of death says you got to do more the tree of life says receive what Jesus has already done listen to these words of Jesus, John five, thirty nine and 40 he's talking to the religious leaders listen to what he says You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. In other words, you think that by doing, that by searching the Scriptures and reading the Scriptures, you're going to find life, but it's not in what you do. It's about who the Scriptures talk about because that's where true life is found. Amen? Amen. The second one. The tree of death says you've got to keep trying to get God's approval. But you got to live this way, and if you mess up, guess what? You got to start over and go back to the start. It's like some board game. I mean, that's why I see it in my mind. You got to make your way around the path to God. And if I don't get there, I have to go back to jail or you know whatever, right? I mean that's the way some people see it. But that's the way they live. It's like a constant path, and they get a little bit down the path, and something smacks them, and they back up twenty steps. It's like you know ten yeah. steps forward, twenty steps back. That's that's where this road goes. But the the, the tree of life says what? Again, receive the fact that he already loves you. John 5 8, it was on the screen. He says, What? But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Next one. The tree of death says, You've got to obey God out of duty. It's all about duty, it's about duties. The tree of life says, Obey God out of delight. Out of delight. Listen to this. 1 John 5, verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Whoever has the Son has what? Life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have what? Life. I obey God and I do what He wants me to do and and I let Him lead and guide my life. Not because it's a duty to do so. I do it because I delight in it. Right, that's because I want to live a life that pleases Him. I want to do what He wants to do, wants me to do. I want to walk in obedience, and those things are a delight; they're not a burden. Right. That's what He says. For this is the love, of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome because why? Because we have a relationship, and it's not about rules and regulations; it's about a relationship. And because His Holy Spirit is in me, and because He's changed my life and changed my heart, I want to serve Him. It's not a burden. Those things are a delight, and they should be a delight. Yes. Amen. So you can boil us down. To the simplest way I can think of it is this. One tree represents rules, and the other tree represents a relationship. Two distinct choices, two distinct paths, two distinct routes that we find ourselves on. But again, the question is, which one are you on? I've met a lot of Christians who claim to be Christians, but I think they're on the path about the rules path. Because it's all about some list of rules and how they dress and what they wear and what they listen to. It's about legalism. Legalism doesn't produce righteousness. The whole Old Testament is proof. Listen, the whole Old Testament is proof that that doesn't work. But yet we go back there all the time. And say, hey, you can't come to the church until you look like this and dress like this. And you get these words out of your vocabulary. We talked about that a few weeks ago, right? We have to receive them as they are. God will clean them up. Yes. Which path are you on? You have a choice. That's the first part of freedom. you got to understand that there is a choice. You choose which path you're going to walk. Am I going to walk the path of rules and try to get there through some religious you know, set of rules and regulations? Or am I going to choose the path of life Start a relationship with Jesus Christ and walk in that relationship. Paul says, hey, in Galatians, he says that very thing, right? Why would I tangle, again, tangle myself again to a yoke of bondage? I've been freed from that. i got to walk the relationship. Amen? So my question is simply this. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus or are you just living religious rules and going through religious duty and routine? Are you just getting up and saying, okay, read my Bible, did my devotion... You know, whatever. Then my prayer time, my five minute prayer time for the day, I'm good. Then you go, as I say a lot, you go live like hell for the rest of the day. That's religious duties. Why do you say that, preacher? I say that because of this. Listen, I can't separate who I am from what I do. The Holy Spirit is within me. He won't let me separate who I am from what I do. It's hypocrisy. Yes. And I have to be the same at all times. And I am. And if, if the if the Holy Spirit is within you and you know Jesus Christ and you're really walking in that, then you will too. Because you can't separate the two. got to move on. Number two, results. Results. Let me set the stage here. If you're familiar with this story, you know that Adam and Eve, they both eat the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. There's all kinds of great truths to that story. There's... You know, there's a pattern of sin there. There's a, a lot of great ideas about what that fruit was and how that worked and the process. But I, and I can't get into that this morning because what I want you to see what I want you to focus on is the results of that action. The results of that action. Everything in creation instantly changed. you got to understand that. I mean, if you go talk to somebody who believes in a young earth theory, which I do personally, everything, inst- all of creation, the entire planet Immediately changed when they ate of that fruit. Everything changed. All creation was instantly impacted by rebellion, by disobedience, and sin. Matter of fact, there's some people who think that heaven will actually be on earth, and it will be earth with all that reversed. You will instantly see all that you ever saw without the effect of sin. It will instantly be reversed. So it's a pretty cool idea. But anyway, you can chill on that later. So we pick up the story in verse 10. Right after God comes and says, Adam, where are you? Here's his response in verse 10. And he he is Adam. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was what? Afraid. Because I was naked and I what? Hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Adam, have you been a bad boy? (laughs) Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave to be with me. Amen. (laughs) The woman you gave to be with me, I'm just joking, I've never said that. (laughs) God bless me with a beautiful, wonderful wife. I'm thankful for her. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have to hug? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. So this is right after again. Adam says, Adam, where are you? So again, when they eat of this fruit, all of creation changed. But the most important thing that changed was what? The relationship with the Father. Instantly, everything changed. This is some of the saddest scripture in all the Bible. When you really think about what happens. When you really stop and think about, there was no more walking in the cool of the garden with the Father. There was no more one-on-one communication with the Father. There was no more nothing like that. It brought complete and total separation. But I want you to understand, because listen, there's a lot of people who have a warped up view of who God is and what our Father is really like. And I want you to see here that the Father never left them. He didn't walk away from them. They separated themselves from the Father. Completely different situation. Completely different perspective. They separated themselves. Matter of fact, he came looking for them. And he says, Adam, where are you at? He still does the same thing. He's doing the same thing right now. He is, through his Holy Spirit, he's working this room and he's saying, hey, where are you? Which one of these pastors are you on? Right? He does that. So they took it upon themselves to hide. Why did they hide? They chose to hide for two reasons. And I'm to briefly hit both of them. Two reasons that they hid. One was shame and the other was victimization. Shame and victimization. So let's talk about shame. Before the fall, shame was not a problem. Genesis 2.25 says, And the man was uh, and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Genesis 2.25. But now they are. So let's share some, some truths about shame. Shame comes because innocence is removed. The the, the image that the Lord gave me was imagine uh, some little uh, young teenage boys who get a magazine they shouldn't have and they go look at it. What happens? They feel shame. Why? Because their innocence has been removed. They saw things they didn't need to see. Their mind has processed things that their mind shouldn't have processed. And shame comes from that. Next, Shame causes us to separate ourselves from God. We feel shame and Because we feel shame, we think, well, well, I'm not worthy to be in God's presence. I'm not worthy to fellowship with Him. Because I feel shame, and because I feel unworthy, I withdraw. That's the way we work. That's why they hid in the trees of the garden. The next one. Shame is like a veil that comes between us and God. We feel abandoned, we feel forsaken, and it's like a wall that's there. And it separates us from God. And the last one. Shame makes us want to hide. That's what Adam and Eve did. The first thing they did was what? Fig leaves. They sewed together fig leaves to cover themselves because They were naked. And they were ashamed of their nakedness. So they covered themselves with figs leaves and then what? Then they go hide in the trees. It was all about hiding because of shame. So let me give you some results of shame that we see in our lives. Number one, covering up with religion and becoming focused on works. This is a big one. A big one. We have people who are doing things they shouldn't be doing, who are involved in things they shouldn't be involved in. They feel shame for those things and they try to make up for it by works and religious duty get over here on the wrong path. Lying, deception, or false pride. Making promises we can't keep. Getting our self-worth from the things that we do. That's another big thing. Because listen, it's not about what I do. It's about who I am in Christ. And You've got to get your word from the right spot. My word doesn't come from who I am. I mean, I, I, I'm thankful that God called me into ministry and, and I love being in ministry and I love the things that I get to do but that, that doesn't make me who I am. And I can't draw my own worth from those things. I have to draw my own worth from who I am in Christ. Right. Next, inability to come to a place of honesty with God because we believe we have no true value. Again, it goes back to the same thing. Because I feel shame, I separate myself. And because I separate myself, I feel unworthy. And it's just a downward cycle. And it just repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats. Right. And then lastly, concentrating on our sin instead of concentrating on our Savior. There's a lot of people live there too. They think they've done something so big that God can't deal with it. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There's nothing that God can't deal with. I say all the time, and I need to say it every week, that Jesus is the solution to what? Every problem. And He is. Next. Well, before we go on, let me, let me say this. I've got to clarify between guilt and shame because there's, there's a difference, okay? Guilt has to do with what I've done. Shame is about who I am. Let me say that again. Guilt has to do with what I've done. I feel guilty because I have done something. I feel shame because of who I am or who I think that I am. But in reality, you're not. But that's the enemy's trap. Guilt is about what I've done. Shame is about who we are. So with shame, guess what? guess what the problem is? The problem is us. We are the problem. And in order to be free from shame, we have to begin to see ourselves as God sees us. That's the way out of it. We get in this cycle of shame. We're going to talk more about it in a minute. But this is the never-ending cycle that just keeps looping and looping and looping. And the way out of that is to see yourself as God sees you. And, and quit seeing yourself through the lens of the tree of death. Right. Next, victimization. Some truths about victimization. Number one, victimization is a natural response to sin. What did Eve say? The, the devil, devil made me do it. <laughs> Eve played the victim, right? She's the victim of the devil. The next one. Victimization causes us to blame others and displace responsibility. It's called blame shifting. That's what Adam did. The woman, you gave me God. (laughs) Victimization, lastly, causes us to excuse our internal condition by focusing on outward circumstances. What do you mean? I mean... There's things within us that we need to focus on. We all have them. I talk about it all the time. We all got issues. But what the enemy does is that instead of getting me to focus on my issues and be real, he wants me to focus on Isaac or Ginger or Autumn or somebody else. You see this too in families. This victimization causes us to excuse our internal conditions by focusing on outward circumstances. You see things and you hear things like, well, if my spouse were this, then I'd be this. Or if my spouse would do this, then I would do this. We want... To focus on others and the issues of others instead of the problems that God is trying to show us and bring to our attention within ourselves. Amen? Next, let's look at some results of victimization. The first one is we notice others' sins, but not our own. There's a lot of church people who are living here. We can see the sins of others, but we can't see our own. That's why Jesus says, what remove the beam from your own eye and then worry about the speck in your brother's eye. We excuse, next, the next result of victimization, we excuse and condemn ourselves saying, I've just always been this way or I'll never change or I'll never be good enough. Again, based on a a false view of ourselves and a false worth. And then lastly, the last result of victimization is we feel rejected. We feel rejected. But no matter the tactic we use, understand no matter the tactic that we use to cope with it, whether we try to blame other people or make excuses or condemn ourselves or other people, understand that we are powerless to change the situation. So I ask you, are, simply, are there areas of your life where you've taken the victim mentality? Maybe, you, maybe it's in the area of, of purity. Maybe you've compromised your purity somehow or are compromising it somehow and, and you, you blamed it on someone else or you made excuses for it or well, I'm doing this because this doesn't happen or, or my spouse doesn't do this or whatever. Or maybe it's an area of speech or, or, or finances. See a lot of people in that area or, or truthfulness or integrity or, or wherever. My 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 the, the point is we can't take a victim mentality in those areas of our life because that's exactly where the enemy wants us, and that's exactly where the enemy wants to keep us. He wants us to be stuck forever in this cycle of blame and self-condemnation. That's where he wants to keep us, stuck in that cycle of blame and self-condemnation. You say, Pastor, how do I stop the cycle? Well, that's easy. Let me tell you how you stop it. You get to the point where no matter what happens, you take responsibility for your own life you take responsibility for your own junk for your own relationship with god and step up and own it and you step up and deal with that thing that god keeps showing you over and over and over again in your own heart and life that you need to deal with again as the old saying goes you have to own your own junk you have to take responsibility that's how you get out of the cycle that's how you you break free from these things thank god that he rescues us from ourselves and from the schemes of the enemy. So, Lastly this morning, I want you to see the solution. The solution. As I said, the enemy wants to keep you bound. He wants to keep you bound in chain. He wants to keep you bound in victimization. He wants you to constantly relive the same thing every day of your life. He wants your day to look like the old movie Groundhog Day where you wake up and you replay events in your mind that that, that beats you up and that, that he uses to, to beat you down and get you discouraged and isolated. And he wants you to relive that every day. He wants to keep you in that cycle and to keep you going back to that same thing. And again, Basically, again, like the movie Groundhog Day, reliving the same thing every day of your life. But listen, that's not what God wants. And over the next several weeks, we're going to walk through this whole process of complete and total freedom. And it's basically a, a rewiring of your mind. the bible calls it the renewing of our minds but today i want to share the the foundation of it all you see the only way to have an abundant life the only way to to have true freedom is by knowing the living god and i want you to know this morning that there is a god and that he loves you and he loves you he loves you even in the midst of where you are and in the midst of your junk and in the midst of the enemy's schemes and tactics and cycles he loves you even there doesn't matter what you've done or what you're doing he loves you And he wants a relationship with you. Let me share a passage with you from 1 John. 1 John 4 verses 9 and 10. It says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. He says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, God asks you to love him and to live and walk and move and be in that relationship with him. He's not talking about religious routine. He's not talking about lip service. But he's talking about real love. He's talking about a real love that he asked for us. And a real love that he proved to us by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. The Bible says he loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross in our place for our sins. It's not about earning righteousness through works, but it's about resting in the righteousness that I already possess in Christ. It's not about earning it under the, the tree of death, but it's about resting in the tree of life, in the righteousness that I possess through Jesus Christ. I say it all the time, but a lot of people have this mentality that God's like a, uh, an angry man sitting up there with a, with a big stick and he's just waiting on us to mess up so he can just smack us in the back of the head. But that word propitiation in that verse literally means that Jesus satisfied God's wrath. It basically means that God's not angry. He's not out to pour out wrath on anyone because His wrath was fulfilled. Jesus bore all of His wrath on the cross. That's what that word means. That Jesus fulfilled the anger and the wrath of God. So there's sort of two parts to this solution. Okay, The first part, number one, is that we are made for Free through our relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the basis of freedom. The basis of freedom is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by faith and walking in that relationship. Amen. Number two, the second part is that we maintain our freedom through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me, let me share another passage with you. Galatians 5:13. The Apostle Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Serve one another. I love that whole section of the book of Galatians, really. That whole section, chapter 5, Paul says, you know, you've know, you been freed from these this rules and legalism. Why would you, again, put yourself in bondage to those things? In other words, walk in. In who you are in Christ. Walk in the righteousness and the freedom that you possess in Jesus Christ. You see, it it comes down to choices. Again, we have to maintain our freedom through relationship with Christ. And it comes down to choices. You and I must choose to live for Jesus. Again, there's two paths. There's the tree of death and there's the tree of life. And we've got to choose which one we're going to walk in. We must choose not to abuse our freedom. We all have free will. We all have freedom. But we can't use those things to... Do things that are displeasing to God. right? That's what it says in Galatians 5.13 that I read. For you know we're not called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the what? For the flesh. We cannot abuse our freedom. And next we must choose to share the same love with others. The same love that has been shown to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. We must show to others. Our life is the sum total of. Of our choices that's the way to think about it our life is the sum total of our choices let me leave you with this verse john 8 12 says and again jesus spoke to them saying i am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will walk excuse me will have the light of life let me read that again and jesus spoke to them saying i am the light of the world Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm going to ask Andy the musicians, if they would, to make their way up. Now I'm going to give you a time of response, and I'm going to do a little different, and I'll explain that in just a minute. But listen, again, we our life is the sum total of our choices. So here's some choices that we need to make today. There are some of us here today who need to choose to leave their religious duties who need to choose to leave a life of religion and focus on a relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe there's some people here who don't don't truly know Jesus. You're just walking down a path of religious ritual. You need to get from the tree of death to the tree of life. And you need to choose today to make that change. Listen, I think there's some here who need to choose to break the cycle of shame and victimization. You say, Pastor, how to do that? I explained it. You do that simply by taking responsibility. You do that simply by owning your junk. Quit letting the enemy beat you up with it. Just take responsibility for it. Confess it. Deal with it. And let God heal you and move on. Number three. There's some people who need to choose to step out of the darkness and into the light of life. Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life.